Turn your Bibles, if you will, to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And as you're turning there, why do skunks love Valentine's Day so much? Because they're sentimental. Everybody remembers Pepe Le Pew, right? What do you call two birds that are in love? Tweethearts. What flower gives you the most kisses? Tulips. That's right, tulips. Why did the magnet ask the refrigerator out on a date? Because he found her very attractive. The magnet to the refrigerator. Amen. So this morning, as all of our songs had the familiar theme, love endures forever. Amen. Love endures forever. Valentine's Day is only a few days away. Love is in the air, and all the credit card bills are in the mail. Amen. It's kind of how it goes. I don't know how you feel personally about Valentine's Day, and that's, that's your personal conviction, that's up to you, but it does open the door to talk about love, amen? And that's what I want to do this morning. 1 John chapter 4, skip down to verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loves us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. God is love. Repeated twice in this passage. Have you ever really stopped to think, what does that truly mean that God is love? It's not just a description of God. It's not just one of God's characteristics. The Bible is saying God is love. This is what God is. Amen? That means that love is his very essence. He is the originator of love. God is the source of all love. Amen? We know love. We experience love. We feel love because we are the objects of his love. Amen? That's the only reason. 
We are the objects of his love. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Amen. That's a pretty simple equation, isn't it? We love simply because he first loved us. Now, in the English language, we only have one word for love, don't we? Love. That's all we have. But love is very different depending on the circumstance, isn't it? You know, for example, you know, I love my wife dearly. But the love that I have for my wife is quite different from the love that I have for my mom. Amen? And that love is different than the love that I have for my children. And that love is different from the love that I have for my pets. Amen? But in the English language, we only have one word for love, but there's different kinds. Now, in the Greek language, the language that the New Testament of the Bible originally was written in, they have multiple words for love. Six main words, as a matter of fact, for, for love to distinguish the different types of love. Let's consider those real quick just for a moment. The first word they have is mania or mania. And that refers to a manic or obsessive love. And this is the love of possessions. This really identifies the love of things. And it literally means that it possesses the person. Amen? And takes over them. This is the root word for kleptomania. And pyromania, mania, that type of obsessive love. The second type is called storgy, storgy. And this is a love that one has for a dependent. It's often referred to as motherly love, amen? Motherly love, the love that we have for our children or, or for close relatives. The third word for love in the Greek is philia or phylos, Amen? And this is the love that we have for close friends. This is the love of friendship, referred to as brotherly love. This is the word for root word for Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia is also known as the city of what? Brotherly love, ironic enough. We see murder after murder every single day. But that's the root word for Philadelphia, brotherly love. And then the fourth word is fallacia, the love one has for themselves. Amen? The love that one has for themselves. And this love can be both good and bad. It can be both healthy and unhealthy. Healthy type of love for oneself is having a, you know, a positive view of ourselves. Amen? But it stops short of pride. God wants us to have a positive view of ourselves, amen? We are his children. We should have a positive view of ourselves, a healthy view of ourselves, but not to the point where it becomes egotistical, amen? Unhealthy is taking it too far, becoming a narcissist, amen? The fifth word is eros. This is the love that a husband and wife have for one another. This is the love that you have for your spouse, eros. And it refers to emotional love, passion, romance, that type of love. A love that says, I desire to be near you, and I desire to be with you. Eros, probably the, the most common love that we hear talking about. 
Now, the sixth word is, is really the essence of love. When we hear the word God is love, it is this word, agape. God is agape. Agape is perfect, the most perfect form of love. It is an unconditional, sacrificial love. Now, when I say unconditional, that means it doesn't depend on the receiver, the recipient of that love. That love is all about the giver. It means it doesn't matter what that other person does, the giver loves them unconditionally. That's what I mean by when I say that there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing that we can do to make him love us less. He loves us no matter what. Amen? That is agape love, all about the giver. This is the love that nailed Jesus Christ to an old rugged cross. Amen? Agape love. And this morning... I want us to take a stroll through God's word. I want, to, I want to stroll through the Bible and let God teach us about true love. Amen? First thing I want us to see, now I want you to understand that, that if you go through the Bible and just talk about love, this would be a 10-week a message. Amen? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to condense it into this one sermon. So we're going to shorten it up. I'm just going to use the highlights, uh, some of the best examples of love. The first one is that love is not selfish. Amen? Love is not selfish. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the chapter of love in the Bible. Probably the best chapter about love ever written. Skip down to verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, it believes all things, hopes all things, love endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fare. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Love endures all things. And here we see that God explains love using tangible examples. Amen? Comparing it to, to things that we understand in everyday life. God is showing us here what true love ought to look like. Amen? We talk about love all the time, but what does love look like? He says love is long-suffering. Love is patient. Amen? What does that mean? That means love is patient with all people in all circumstances. Amen? Love is patient. Love is also kind. That means it's kind with all people, not just the nice ones. Amen? Even those mean and nasty ones. Love is kind. Love gives and love forgives. Amen? Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not boastful. It doesn't brag about itself. Love uplifts one another. Amen? Love encourages each other. Love glorifies God and gives him all the glory. Amen? When we love one another, that love comes from who? It comes from God. 
And when everybody sees the love that we have for all people, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of who they are, what they've done, where they've come from, the world sees that love. And they wonder where that love comes from. And that gives us an opportunity to what? Glorify God and give him the credit that he deserves for that love. Amen? What else is it, does it say here? It says that love does not parade itself around. That means it's not full of pride. It's, it's not arrogant. It does not put you up on a pedestal, irregardless of your wealth, your position, your power, your intellect. doesn't matter. It's not puffed up. Amen? It also says that love is not rude but it's polite, it's respectful, even during disagreements, amen? Look, Cowboys and Eagles fans, we can dwell together. Cowboys can watch the Eagles play in the Super Bowl. We don't mind, amen? It's not rude, it's respectful. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Love is the opposite of my way or no way, amen? My way or the highway. That's the opposite of love, amen? The Bible tells us here that love thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity. It doesn't rejoice in sins. But love is full of joy and rejoices in others' successes, amen? That's true love. When we can see others become successful and love them for it, have joy over it, amen? It never delights in others' failures. It doesn't delight when we see people fail, even our enemies. That's not love, amen? It really broke my heart when the Cowboys lost in the playoffs. Bible says love bears all things. Amen? Bears all things. What does all mean? All means all, and that's all that all means. Love bears everything. Good, bad, indifferent. Amen? Love believes all things. That means it gives others the benefit of the doubt. Amen? Always give others the benefit of the doubt. Let them prove you wrong. Love hopes all things. That means it desires the best for all people. Amen? Desires the best for all people. And then love endures all things, no matter the circumstances. It endures. It gets through it. Amen? That means it gets us through those circumstances, no matter what we're going through. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Does everyone hear that? Love never fails. And God is love. That means he will never, ever, ever fail us. Has never and will never. Amen? We need to understand that. What is, what does God's love look like? Friends, all we have to do is look unto Jesus Christ. Amen? We want to know what God's love looks at looks like. We just have to look 
at Jesus, look unto the cross on Calvary's hill, and that's what unconditional sacrificial love looks like. Amen. Plain and simple. Now that we know what love ought to look like, what love should look like, what true love looks like, now we are to love one another. We're to love one another. Go to John chapter 13. Skip down to verse 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We are to love one another just as Jesus loves us. Amen? Just as Jesus loves us, that's how we are to love one another. And Jesus said, look, that's the mark of a true believer. That is the mark of one of my true children that you have love for another. If we take the title of Christian, that literally means Christ-like, of Christ. So our love ought to mirror that of Jesus' love. Our love for one another needs to mirror exactly what we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Amen. Because that's the love that Jesus loves us with. It's a love that serves one another. Amen? It puts others' needs before our needs. That's the kind of love that we are to love one another with. What else does the Bible say about love? Not only do we love one another, as I said earlier, that even means the mean ones, Right? The Bible tells us that we are to love our enemies. This is a tough one, right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Well, that's a sermon right there, isn't it? Amen? We think about love, and it's natural just comes natural, right? It comes natural for us to love our family, our wives, our husbands, our spouse. It comes natural for us to love our children. You know, that's it's natural. But when Jesus took it the other direction, he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. That's not natural, is it? Jesus is talking about an unnatural, a supernatural love that allows us to love those who hate us, that allows us to love those who persecute us. It's just not natural for us to do it on our own. And the truth is, we can't. Amen? That's the truth about it, that we cannot on our own anyhow. 
not on our own. We have to lean on the Lord. That's when we have to lean on his supernatural ability, his Holy Spirit that comes and abides in us. We have to love with his love. We have to lean on the power of his Holy Spirit inside of us because it's unnatural. Amen? It's unnatural. Because what's unnatural for us is God's very nature. Amen? Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates, he proves his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Does everyone understand what God is telling us here? As a sinner, do we care about God? Did we love God? We might have knew who God was. We've respected him. But as sinners, we're not living for him. We're not loving him. We're not doing his work. That means we're at enmity with him. We're enemies with him. What God is telling us, when we were unlovable, when we were his enemy, Jesus still went and he died for each and every one of us. Amen. God shows us that it is possible to love our enemies. It's not natural, but it is possible. But through him. Amen. He is the God of the unnatural. When we were enemies, God proved his love for us. He demonstrated his agape love for us when Jesus went to Calvary's cross. A love that allows the sun to shine on the evil and good. A love that still sends rain to fall on the just and the unjust. The saved and the sinner. That's what God is talking about. Amen. Loving our enemies. Not natural, but possible. Through God himself. Amen. What else? Jesus said, if you love me, then obey me. That's the way that you show your love towards me. John 14, 15. Jesus simply said, if you love me, then just keep my commandments. Amen? Keep my commandments. When we truly love someone, then we're faithful to that person, aren't we? Amen? That is the, like the first step of true love is faithfulness. We're willing to you know, to please them. We want to please them. That's our desire to those that we love. We want to we please them and, and we'll even do what they want us to do, right? But we do what they ask to keep each other joyful, to keep each other happy, to keep each other satisfied. Amen? That's true love. And that should be even more so when we're talking about the love of Christ. Amen? That's what Jesus was saying. If you love me, then just keep my commandments. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Listen to what Samuel said. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as he does in obeying the voice of the Lord? 
Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Do you hear that? To obey is better than sacrifice. God would rather our obedience than sacrifice. Amen? God would rather us simply obey him in the little things of life than to come into his church house and give a $100,000 donation. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? Plain and simple. That's what God is looking for. Why? Because obedience shows our love and it also shows our respect that we have for our Lord. And it opens the gates for his blessings. Amen? Obedience. That opens the gates of God's blessings upon us, plain and simple. Love also covers a multitude of sins. This is a good one. Amen. You ever heard that before, that expression? Love covers a multitude of sins. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Skip down to verse 8. And above all things, have a fervent love for one another. What does fervent mean? Anybody know? It means boiling over. Amen? We are to have a love that just boils over for one another. Have a fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. So let's think about that for a moment. Love requires, actually love demands forgiveness. Amen? True love requires it. It demands forgiveness. As a sinner, I have no right casting a stone at someone else. Amen? That means I'm judging someone else because of their sins, what they did wrong. Pointing a finger. I have no right to do that. Only God has the right to judge. He is the only judge. And as a sinner, we don't have a right to cast stones at other sinners. Plain and simple. Love not only forgives, but it also hides. It covers sins. It covers the imperfections of the ones that we love. Amen? When I screw up, when I mess up, my wife tries to cover for me, amen? <laughs> Keeps her busy, it's a full-time job. But isn't that what love does? And vice versa, if she ever messes up, my job is to cover for her, amen? Not, not to announce it, hey, guess what Debbie did? If you talk to me after church, I'll tell you, but you know. But that's what love does. It covers a multitude of sins. When Jesus died for us, when he went to Calvary's cross and when he shed his precious blood, what does that blood do? It covers our what? Our sins. What does it mean by covering our sins? That means that God will never, ever bring them up back again. Amen? That's what it means by his blood covers our sins. 
They're gone. They're buried, never to be brought up ever again. Now do we understand that a little better? His forgiveness hides them, never to be brought up ever again, never to be thrown back in our face. Why? Because he loves us. Amen? And love covers a multitude of sins, plain and simple. Next, I want us to see God's love in action. You can turn your Bibles there, but hopefully most of you probably have it memorized. John 3.16, right? That is God's love in action. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. You know, we were talking about the, the Greek language. That is what the New Testament was originally written in, was a Greek in the original Greek, John 3.16 literally says, For this is how God loved the world. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. It's love in action. God's love for you and me is unmatched, unequaled. It is unparalleled. There is no other love like it. It shows us that love is a verb. You remember back in English class? What is verb? It means action, right? Love is an action word. It needs to be put into practice. Love is what we do for one another. Amen? Someone said love is as simple as replacing the toilet, toilet paper when it's down to its last sheet, you know? When we stop it just enough so that we don't have to change it, leave it up to the next person. That's not love. Come on, let's change it. it means love, love means words are cheap, amen? Love is priceless, plain and simple. I can say I love you, but love is truly shown in the things that I do for you, Amen? Love is a verb. And lastly, I want us to consider no greater love. John 15, 13. Jesus said, A greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You see, this is the love that nailed Christ to that old rugged cross. Amen. He laid down his life as a ransom for you and for me. Plain and simple. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 6. We read verse 8 earlier, but I want to start at verse 6. Back up a little bit. For when we were still without strength... In due time, in the perfect time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates, he proves his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
That is God's love in action. There is no greater love, there is no more sacrificial love than that of Jesus Christ. While we were yet sinners, while we were still enemies with him, Jesus spread out his arms as far as they would go on that old rugged cross, and he declared in his last breath, he said, this is how much I love you. No greater love than that. And I hope and I pray that you know that kind of love today. 